Hey friends, welcome to the Glow Getters Podcast. My name's Kayla Fahey Arndt, but you can call me KFA because nobody can say that last name. I teach and inspire leaders to step into their power, productive selves, and unlock their fullest potential. I'm a multi-passionate creative and scientist who climbed to the top of the healthcare leadership ladder by age 28, making six figures as a manager. I share what I've learned that I wish I knew when I landed my first leadership role at age 25. You can find more from me on my Patreon site at patreon.com slash KFA Glowgetters. Okay, now on to the show. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited to share this episode with you because I finally get to share my love for Food Network shows, especially Chopped. So I love Chopped. They have new episodes, I think, on Sundays, and they will watch reruns every day or night of the week if I can catch them. I love the other shows like Beat Bobby Flay. Um, I also love like Kids Baking show or competition, whatever that's called, but I especially love Chopped, and I never get sick of it. Uh, My husband's like, why do you love these shows? You can't even taste the food, and half the stuff, we don't even know what this food is, (laughs) and here's the thing. I like it because there's so many different pieces about the show that I feel like relate to leadership, Um, but also I feel like they're really good at describing their work and there's so much imagery and it's beautiful and it's so creative. And the creative part of me is like, wow, what an art to create something different every time and to use those ingredients in creative ways and innovate and all of that. And so today what I want to share with you are some themes that I noticed that Chop, Chopped um, really shares well, every single episode consistently that apply directly to leadership. Okay, so this might (laughs) seem funny, but watch the show and it's so true. So just to give you a little bit of background, if you don't watch Chopped, please go watch it. It's on Food Network. Um, But the way that the show is structured is they have some chefs that are pretty well known maybe locally in their areas so they own restaurants or food trucks or what have you and they've made a little bit of a name for themselves but they're ready to take it to the next level so I think you have to apply to be on this show and they bring them in and I think there's like four at the beginning four or five um, and each uh, there's like three different rounds so they have an appetizer round an entree and then a dessert round so each chef has their own cooking station and then they get a basket full of surprise ingredients and every episode for the three different rounds everybody opens their basket at the same time and then they find out what ingredients they have and they're all like weird things that like wouldn't normally you would not normally think go together Like they might have some like weird random candy that you've never heard of and some really delicate, like a delicacy, um, like a fish or um, 
just something like super weird, like marshmallows and steak together, like something you would never think about. And then they have a set amount of time to make something like 20 minutes or 30 minutes, whatever it is for each different round. And then they have to make it taste good, showcase those ingredients without overpowering them with the other ingredients that they may add and, you know, get it plated and looking nice. And then the judges get to um, taste it and eat it and um, look at how it's presented. And then they give some feedback to the chefs and then they deliberate. And then the chefs come back into the room and someone gets chopped. And so their their entree is kind of like sitting under um, uh, underneath a, like a cover and then the host pulls it off and then you see the entree of the person who is getting cut or chopped from that round. And um, once the person's chopped, one of the judges will give feedback to uh, that chef that's been chopped and then that person has to leave. So that's the structure. I don't know. I'm just obsessed with it. It's so much fun. I'm always like, oh my gosh, what are they going to make? How are they going to use it? And um, plus you get to learn about some of the ingredients. So to get to the part that is relative, um, related to leadership, uh, there's five different things I want to talk about. I want to talk about innovation, timelines, friendly competition, getting feedback, and growth and development. So first off, because they are given, the chefs are given these baskets with like weird foods in them, right away they have to overcome functional fixedness. Right away, some of the chefs might look at an item and think, oh, I always use this item in this specific dish, but that might not go well with the other ingredients. So they have to flip their mind and be able to see that ingredient being used for a different purpose than it normally is. Or they may have, say they get like a graham cracker. Well, they're not really allowed to just serve the chef, serve the judges back a graham cracker. They need to reinvent it and like turn it into something else, be creative. And so functional fixedness is this concept from psychology where you see something for what it was originally intended for and you're not able to see it to be used for anything else. So I know I've talked about this before. I'm not sure on the podcast, but in real life, I love talking about this because I feel like if you can see something for something other than what it was intended for, you can be so creative. Um, a really basic example for this would be like you've got a box and it's empty now and you can only see that you can use it for a box. But what if you turned it upside down and you stood on it and now it's a stool? Super simple concept, but sometimes it's really hard to see past using one item for another item. So functional fixedness. Um, sometimes you'll hear the chef say, I have never heard of this ingredient, I have no idea what it is, or I've never cooked with it before. And so this idea of not knowing, but the um, attitude of, well, I got to figure it out. So they taste the food, they explore how it feels, what it looks like, what the texture is, and they learn about it, and they do the best with the tools and the knowledge they have at the time. I mean, they, there's, they can't like go Google how to cook with this ingredient, so they just figure it out. Um, they're just creative with what they have. Also, they can add extra ingredients to the basket ingredients, but they're not supposed to overpower those secret ingredients. They really are just supposed to enhance and showcase those basket ingredients. So a lot like in leadership, you have strengths and you're going to want to learn um, and grow and 
Um, sometimes you also have specific resources available to you. And what you really want to do is just enhance what you already have and um, take advantage of the resources you have around you. Make them better. Sometimes that's easier than getting additional resources because that might be a lot more difficult. So one idea um, that we can take away from Chopped is Yes, we can add resources or we can add extra things to tweak the main ingredients, but let's not overpower our strengths or let's just build up what we already have and see what we can do there. It's this concept to me that of, you know, working smarter, not harder. So, hmm, well, I don't have exactly what I need to make this, but I could use this graham cracker to make something similar. And so being smart, really thinking through and thinking beyond um, what might already exist. So this idea of tweaking something just a little bit instead of recreating the wheel and creating something completely new. So I have found in what I've read in books about leadership and creativity is if you just push the envelope just a little bit, take something that exists and spin it on its head just slightly, that's innovative. So it's taking an idea, something or an, or a need or a problem someone already has and solving it by just tweaking it a little bit. That's pushing the envelope. Sometimes you can push something over the edge and people aren't going to like it. They're going to say, that's too weird. <laughs> Maybe later on they will. Maybe you're just so forward thinking. But you know what? When they talk about dishes that are so crazy and weird and out there, when the judges are tasting them, they'll say, well, you took a risk. And I think that's all about leadership sometimes or even entrepreneurship if, if you are doing a um, working for yourself or if you're starting a, a side hustle, you've got to take some risk and be okay with that. And part of that is just the nature of um, having to take responsibility for something and doing something for the first time. All right, so the second concept is timelines. So like I mentioned, they have to create these dishes in 20 minutes or 30 or 40 minutes, whatever it is. And so it's kind of interesting. You have to be creative within a structure. Um, so you're allowed, you know, to be innovative and up, overcome functional fix, fixedness, but you only have 20 minutes. So kind of in leadership is you cannot get stuck and have analysis paralysis forever. Eventually you're gonna have to make a decision. So, you know, you waste five minutes, that's five minutes you can't get back. I do want to mention, though, something that um, I learned, and it might have been actually an Albert Einstein quote. I'll have to look that up, but it's coming to me as I'm speaking. It wasn't really, I didn't have it in the show notes right away, but um, spending, you know, if you have 20 minutes, spend 15 minutes thinking about how to solve the problem, spend the five minutes solving the problem. So it's up to you how you use your time, but just know you only have a certain amount of time before time's up. And when time's up, they can't add ingredients they forgot to add that they left out. They can't clean the plate off. So thinking ahead, say, okay, well, I made this awesome dish, but it looks like crap, like I didn't present it very well. Same with leadership. You might have a really great idea, but you need to be thinking about execution of that idea. So always thinking ahead, planning out your timelines accordingly, not getting stuck with analysis paralysis, um, you know, thinking about the whole picture sometimes, 
but still working within your own timeline. I just find that so interesting, especially you can really tell who are the risk takers on that show because those people are working down to the wire. And then there's some shows where the person has like three minutes left. They're like, I'm done. And so they're making themselves a drink. So it depends what kind of person you are. Um, I know sometimes I fall more on the procrastination side and I do really relate with that quote I shared before. Like I like to really think about an idea before I go and execute. So sometimes it's, I am thinking about an idea for weeks and then I just pump it out in a minute. Um, whereas if I work on it too early in advance, like it's crap. <laughs> like I'm overthinking it. So it's depends on where you are. I'd be curious to hear where you guys fall on that spectrum because I know we're all different and I definitely know people who have um who are like me and then who also differ in me in that in that way and I suppose it depends on what I'm doing so the third point is friendly competition so um, during the competition the cooks or the chefs are having to work next to each other and um, you know they know each other's skills so they know like oh this guy's a really awesome chef he owns his own restaurant she's just super great she has this and especially when the um they're doing interviews because part of the structure of the show that I hadn't shared previously is you know the people they're showing the people cooking but then they're juxtaposing that with like videos of them like talking as you know reflecting on what they were doing so oh so I thought I should grab some tomatoes so I grabbed some tomatoes and so it's kind of an interview style if you've ever seen the Food Network shows you know they do this for all of them and some of the chefs are um they'll, they'll be like oh I got him like oh no they can't beat me and it's funny because most often the um but I, I would say most often people talk about the other competitors in a positive way. They talk the other people up, especially the people who end up winning. You can tell they're like, oh, man, like the competition's hard. Like it's anyone's game. Um, you know, Joey's plate looks so much better than mine. Um, I'm not sure. I know I know I made a good dish. I'm confident in my dish. But I mean, Joey's dish was awesome. And so it is rare to see people put others down. But you can tell when someone's a sore loser, especially when they get chopped and they're like, oh, I shouldn't have got chopped. So I think some competition is healthy to push you and you need that. Um, but it's not, um, but it's very evident when you're a sore loser. So part of being a leader is talking each other up. And there's a lot of podcasts and media out there about women putting other women down to get ahead and how this kind of feeds into the patriarchy like it does us a disservice so if you you know see other women or other people succeeding pump them up and say that's awesome but don't be afraid to also celebrate your success and wins but don't let your insecurities make you think oh well that sucks I'm not going to share my ideas with them and I'm not going to praise them and recognize them you'll actually look better if you do celebrate everybody. The also really cool thing about the environment they're in and um, with competition is, so like I said, they're all working next to each other and they all have their own stations. This means they have to walk behind each other a lot. And so when you're in the kitchen and restaurant life, you're taught to say like behind you or to your left or a hot pan. And this is something we do in healthcare a lot um, as well when we're working in the lab or um, in the OR, wherever. And so this 
two-way or close-up communication be, can be used in any setting. What it really is is open communication. It's letting someone know or made aware of something and then the other person or people in the room kind of confirming that they've heard that. So for example, in my line of work, we're in the laboratory, if we have an emergency, there's a lot of stuff going on and everyone has a different role. Someone has to kind of yell, got it, kind of like when you're in baseball, you're going to go catch that ball, but like center field and left field, they're both running for it and they're going to collide. Someone has to say, I got it, mine, so the other person can back off and they can say, okay. So this is really awesome because this is definitely leadership and working together in teams where you've got to have two-way communication or closed loop communication where you know the other person that you're communicating with understood what you said and confirmed it back to you. Um, I love this. Uh, you can tell when people run into each other that they're not be having situational awareness so they don't know what's going on around them and as a leader you always need to be aware. That means you, you hear things that other people don't pick up on. You observe body language. You do do two-way communi two communication. You expect others to communicate back to you. So this is something that you can teach to your teams. So next time you're watching Topped, watch for this. And then the fourth point is taking feedback. So once the judges taste their dishes, um, they'll... They'll kind of, as I guess, as they're tasting the dishes, they'll say to the chef, um, both positive and constructive feedback. So, well, I'm really glad you got all the ingredients on the basket and you used this ingredient really well, but I could have used more of this. Or, hmm, this just doesn't make sense to me, but I see where you were going with that. So they're really good at doing both positive and constructive communication, or feedback and that's often called like the sandwich model so they'll do like positive constructive positive um, I am familiar with like five positives to one constructive but it's really nice because the chefs I guess the judges I just feel like they're so good at giving feedback and I think it's part of their profession because you taste your own food and you have a bias everyone else's palate is different so you need to hear what other people are going to say about your dish in order to make it better. Otherwise, it, it's all going to taste good to you because you're just going to keep tweaking it until you like it. So you really rely on what other people say to validate your dish. Um, it's funny because the people that are uncomfortable with feedback often defend themselves right away. They get defensive. You can tell in their body language and in the things they'll say back to the judges. But the people who are open and receptive to feedback will often ask more questions and they'll say simple words like, thank you, thank you very much, thank you chef. And so they are saying, I appreciate your feedback, thank you. And I feel like taking feedback is very hard for anybody, but when you think of it in the way that a chef needs the feedback, it makes sense. So I guess next time you're getting feedback, just know you do need other people's perspectives to be better. All right. And then the last thing, number five, is that when someone gets chopped, most of the time, if the person is um, 
I would say most of the time, it's very rare that someone isn't a happy, like super, super, is super angry when they get chopped. But most of the time they say and express that they appreciate the opportunity for growth and learning from the experience of chopped. And you can tell these are resilient people. And they always say, just because I got chopped doesn't mean I'm going to stop cooking. This isn't going to stop me. And one really common thing you notice is people always go back to their why because they have a purpose. They'll say, you know what? My mom really pushed me and saw something in me a while back. Like I've grown so much. I have my own restaurant now. Like this moment doesn't define me. This just makes me want it more. This just makes me so excited. I so appreciate the opportunity. So just recognizing in leadership that um, failure isn't a failure. It's always just a learning opportunity and let it push you and accelerate your excitement to continue to do the work that you're doing. And just remember that when you do have tough times like that, remember your why. Like, why are you doing this? Why did you start? So in summary, TOP can teach us so much about innovation, um, working on timelines, having friendly competition, taking feedback, and appreciating and accepting the opportunity for growth and development. These are all the things that we really need as leaders that we also want to pass on to our teams. So what would be super cool is if you shared this with your teams, maybe watch a clip of Chopped, point some of these things out to them and show how, you know, none of these things are scary. These are things that we all need to go through in our daily life just to get better and to be better leaders. All right. Thanks so much for listening. I hope that you are now like super excited to go watch Food Network Chopped. Whoa, that went by way too fast. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Glow Getters Podcast. You can get the bonus content for this podcast at my Patreon site at www.patreon.kfaglowgetters. And also you can check me out on Instagram at Kayla Fahey Arndt. All right, everyone, until next time, be a light in the world. Talk to you soon.